Chapter Twenty Four of the Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls by Laura Lee Hope. A great discovery. Be careful, Irene. Molly warned as Irene ran toward the kennels, but the girl was deaf to reason. She whistled as she ran the old familiar signal to which her collie dog Hesper had never failed to respond. Suddenly, a large golden collie at the further end of the kennels flung up his magnificent head and emitted a bark rapture. As Irene ran forward, hands outstretched, calling the name of her old comrade, the dog bounded to meet her and flung himself against the wire with a force that shook the entire structure. "'Oh, you old beauty! Hesper, old boy!' Irene was down on her knees with a hand thrust through the wire netting, fondling the head of a great dog while Hesper nosed at her hand, whined deep down in his throat and tried in his rapture to tie himself into knots. The girls were so absorbed in this spectacle that they did not notice two men who bore down upon them from the direction of the red buildings. "'Hey, get out of there, you!' called one of the men when the pair came within hailing distance. What do you mean by handling one of my dogs? Irene, looking up, was about to say that this particular collie was hers, not his. But the ferocious scowl on the man's face and the sullen aspect of his fair-haired companion caused her to change her mind. Instead of answering, she beat a hasty retreat, rejoining the girls who, observing the approach of the two men, had already retired to the shelter of the trees. The proprietors of Red Kennels, for such the girls decided they must be, looked after Irene until she had disappeared, then, evidently deciding that she and her companions had gone for good, turned back to the buildings in the rear of the enclosure. "'What can it mean, girls?' Irene clasped and unclasped her hands excitedly as she faced her companions. "'What is my Hesper doing here?' "'Hush!' warned Molly, drawing her fervour into the woods. "'We must get away from this awful place. Then we can talk.' but they had gone only a short distance along the path when they were surprised to see Robina Robinson standing before them. The girl was out of breath. She looked pale and ill at ease. Robina, said Amy softly, where did you come from? I followed you, said the girl abruptly. I saw how they, how my uncle, treated you up yonder. She turned to Irene. I want to tell you that I'm sorry. Then you live at Red Kennels, said the latter eagerly. Robina nodded. Her strong brown hands were clenched at her side. Her face grew whiter still as she burst out passionately. It ain't fair. I'm just about a prisoner there, that's what I am. Nobody don't dare come near me because they are scared to death of my uncle. I'm about to die of loneliness, I am. The girl scarcely knew what to say to this passionate outburst. It remained for Amy with her usual gentle tact to do the right thing at the right moment. She took a step toward Robina and touched her hand. We'd like to be your friends, Robina, if you'll let us, she said. The girl turned to her quickly. Do you suppose I could have you for friends if I wanted to? And I do, she cried fiercely. Didn't he just send one of you away? And he'd do the same again if you were foolish to come again, only after a while it began setting the dogs on you. Oh, I hate him, how I hate him. Robina, asked Molly quietly, does your uncle keep you at Red Kennels against your will? At the question, the fierce light died out of the girl's eyes. She seemed to droop, to wilt before them. 
I ain't got a mother nor a father, she said flatly, speaking in a dead voice. Only my little brother and sister. They were sent to relatives in Ohio and Smuddy. He wanted me to be his washerwoman, I suppose, and scrub of the kennels, with a flash of a former fierceness. And then she added, giving them an odd look, I love dogs and I understand them. They don't snarl and snap at me like they do at Smuddy and Jake. If it wasn't for them too, she added, her blue eyes smouldering with the light of a hidden ambition, I could run red kennels like they ought to be run. The outdoor girls glanced at each other, the same thought in the minds of them all. Could this girl, who appeared so frank and truthful, know anything of how Irene's collie Hesper, a stolen dog, came to be in her uncle's kennels? Irene, unable longer to stand the suspense, put the question indirectly. Do you know anything about how your uncle gets his dogs, Robina? she asked. Robina looked a bit surprised at the question, but shrugged her shoulders indifferently. No, I don't. He buys them and breeds them, that's all I know. All of them, though, she added with pride in her eyes, are right fine dogs. You bet they are said Irene beneath her breath, but Molly threw her a warning glance. It was quite clear to her, as indeed it was to the other girls, that Robina was not in her uncle's secret as to how he procured some of his dogs. The girl's honesty was too transparent to be assumed. Molly determined to try another approach to Robina. I suppose, she said, you want your little brother and sister with you very much, Robina. Tears sprang to the girl's fierce eyes, and she turned away abruptly, as though to hide them. That, she said in a muffled voice, as fierce as ever, is what I have against Smuddy more than anything else he's ever done to me. But I've got to be going, she added, glancing uneasily about her. If he was to catch me talking to you, there ain't any telling what he might do. Take it out on you, probably. Goodbye. And if you know what's good for you, you'll give Red Kennels a wide berth. She made another of her abrupt exits, striding off through the woods before the outdoor girls could so much as protest at her going. They continued on toward home, tremendously interested and excited. Irene was for notifying the authorities at once, thus taking steps to recover the stolen Hesper. Molly and the others counselled patience. Wait until the boys come, they insisted. They will know what to do, and they will help us to cope with Jay Smuddy and his helper lots better than we can alone. But this is Thursday, and the boys aren't coming until Saturday, wailed Irene. Suppose something were to happen to Hesper before that time. Nothing is apt to happen to him between this and Saturday, especially if we don't let out to Jay Smuddy or Robina that we suspect is in a lawful possession of Hesper. I feel awfully sorry for Robina, said Amy. I wish we could help her. Maybe we can, said Molly. As the others looked at her inquiringly, she added, Perhaps if we can succeed in discrediting her uncle, for whom, as you can see, she bears little affection, we may be doing Robina the best kind of a good turn. But how could she live? cried Grace practically. After all, her uncle supports her no matter how poorly. From the way she spoke, I judge she has no money of her own. She might be able to run red kennels honestly, even make good money out of it, with her love of dogs and her hard common sense, Molly pointed out. As for funds, she looked oddly at her chums. I imagine we might be able to help out there, don't you? It was here that Irene hugged the speaker with great warmth. You old darling, of course we could, and would. At least a father's will. I personally would be willing to give up my own allowance for the next two years for the sake of getting Hesper back. And I, murmured Grace fervently, would do more than that. I haven't forgotten that she saved my life. The rest of the day and the early part of the next dragged interminably for all but Amy. 
to her the thought that will would return on saturday with the other boys for his second weekend at foaming falls was one that shut out for her all lesser considerations she went about with a faraway look in her eyes and in more than one instance her companions were forced to speak to her twice before gaining her attention but the others could scarcely await the arrival of the boys to help them solve the mystery of red kennels and bring jay smuddy to the accounting they felt he so richly deserved after an early lunch molly took grace aside and spoke to her earnestly i have a great longing to visit red kennels again she confessed i don't dare take irene along because she is so anxious to get hesper she is apt to say something that will give the whole thing away will you come with me gracie will i come returned the other as though i hadn't been dying to all the time the two girls set off almost at once, Molly telling Stella of her destination, but begging her not to let Irene follow. "'We will be back shortly anyway,' she said. "'In the meantime, you can tell the girls we've gone for a hike.' Molly had her field glasses with her, a precaution that would permit them to look over J. Smuddy's domain without approaching too close to it. They neared the group of red buildings rapidly and paused just outside the clearing to put the field glasses to use. The dogs evidently scented their approach and again set up a concerted howling and barking and yapping that rather disconcerted the girls. If Jay Smuddy appears, we'll cut and run, said Molly to Grace. Then looking through the glasses, she added, Grace, that little black dog over there huddled against the back of the enclosure, doesn't he look familiar to you? She handed the glasses to her friend and with their aid, Grace located the little black dog. She started, then lowered the glasses from her eyes to stare at Molly. I believe, I do believe that little Cocker Spaniel is Mr. Wox, she breathed. Here was a development that temporarily deprived the girls of all caution. They ran to the enclosure and to the spot where the small black dog lay huddled miserably against the wire. Mr. Wox, coaxed Molly, regardless of the furious barking of the other dogs. Beg for it, old boy, beg for it. She snapped her fingers coaxingly and the small black dog sat up wistfully upon his hind legs, small forepaws dangling prayerfully it is mr woggs cried molly joyfully it is a furious shout caused both girls to jump to their feet in alarm jay smuddy was descending upon them End of chapter twenty four